Over the past few weeks, we have been walking through Mark's gospel and really confronted by a Jesus who is really not the popular Jesus that we often hear about. Often when um, church folks in their um, meaningful, I think, way communicate Jesus, they often express a a kind of polite Jesus, a kind Jesus, a, a Jesus who's loving and embracing, a Jesus who you really want to be friends with. But in reality, sometimes the Jesus of the Bible isn't really the Jesus of our imagination. Jesus, we have seen in Mark's Gospel, is rather one who can get angry. One who is often frustrated and mad and angered by sin. As God is. So this morning as we think about Jesus more, we don't want to just kind of create this Jesus of our own self-identity. Sort of thinking of Jesus as, you know, kind of whatever I think he is like, you know, that he's love or that he's all grace. And all those things are true about Jesus. Jesus is loving. God is love. The Bible is clear about that. But the Bible is also clear that God is wrathful, that God judges sin. Think about it for a moment this morning, that God would not be a very good God or really a just God for that matter, if he didn't punish sin. Would we really want to worship a God who just lets sin continue? Would we really want a God who was not just in his judgments? Oh no, surely we want and we cherish and we worship God because he is a just God. That that any condemnation that he gives is perfect. There's no one who can bribe God, as the psalmist says. God is one who is completely just. And and for the matter, if God did not justly judge sin, if God just sort of, you know, swept sin under the rug or or kind of just said, you know, it's no big deal, um, you know, it's all right, you know, kind of like a benevolent grandfather or grandmother might do, you know, just kind of, oh, it's, it's all, you know, we all make mistakes, you know. Well, friends, he would cease to be God. He would not be God if he was not just in his judgment of sin. And so we want to see that God is gloriously just and that God is gloriously loving and gracious to deal with our sin in his own son. That is that God punishes sin by punishing his only son. We're going to see that glorious truth this morning in Mark's gospel. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been kind of been confronted by Jesus and this, this Jesus who clearly has been getting angry. Uh, from the beginning of Jesus's ministry, though, uh, he has been confronted by the religious leaders there in Jerusalem. Now, we would think, you know, as we kind of just were to think about Jesus, Jesus is a religious teacher. Jesus is coming as the king of Israel. But yet, as you kind of look at the, the people who should have gotten it, the religious leaders, you know, the, the pastors, the Bible teachers, the ones that like knew their Bibles, well, they were the ones who missed Jesus. They were the ones who didn't understand who Jesus was. See, it was the people in the street, the kind of the common people, the, the, the uneducated, the, the low class that understood who Jesus was and believed in him. 
And brothers and sisters, that's the story of really Christianity over the last 2,000 years. It's, it's not been the elite that have believed. Oh, some have. But it's been the, the least of these, the, the lesser than, the, the rest of the world who believe in Jesus. That's what's so wonderful about Christianity. The Bible is written to people in their everyday life. It's, it's written, if you will, with the word on the street. It's, it's not written in, in high language that no one can understand. It's, it's written in the language of everyday life. So that the gospel can be communicated to you and to me. We're going to consider this morning more of Mark's gospel. So I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 11 in verse 27. Mark chapter 11 and verse 27 is page 848 on the Pew Bible in front of you. I invite you to turn. I regularly say you will be bored out of your mind if you don't have the Bible open because really I don't have much to say. The Bible has a lot to say. And we want to consider what the Bible says this morning, um, not what I have to say this morning. Mark eleven twenty-seven, And they, that is Jesus and the disciples, came again to Jerusalem and he was walking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, well, he will say, Then why did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. See, see the Bible is humorous. Jesus does have, a, I think, a sense of humor, as you've seen. What's the point of this passage? I hope to summarize it in this way. The authority of Jesus, as we've seen, is questioned by these religious leaders there in Jerusalem in an attempt to stop him in his mission and in his ministry. But see, Jesus uses this as an opportunity to expose these religious leaders to expose their hypocrisy and expose them as frauds. And he does this so that you will not waver in your belief that Jesus really is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the sovereign messianic king who has come to die for your sins. Friend, I want you to see this morning, this passage was written for you. Though it may feel awkward and it may feel so distant, my hope this morning is you want to see that Jesus is doing this for your sake this morning. Jesus is saying these words. He is, he's rebuffing these, these religious leaders for your sake so that you will believe in him. So you will believe and not be persuaded by their hypocrisy and persuaded by their false teaching. And that you'll believe the words of Jesus this morning, that he is the Christ, the Son of God. I want to consider this morning, just really in organizing our thoughts, three things. We're just going to, three words this morning, we're going to organize our thoughts. First, we're going to consider the questions that were asked. 
Secondly, we'll consider the debate. And then finally, we'll consider the answer. And really what that means. What, what does this answer mean? That Jesus sort of, sort of shuts down and he doesn't say anything. Is this the Jesus that we know and worship? And what are we to make of that Jesus? So let's consider first, just by observing some of these questions that we're asking, kind of thinking, if you will, kind of peeling back the onion and looking what's really in the middle. What, what's behind their questions, the, the, the religious leaders, and then what's behind Jesus' question? What's, what's going on there with Jesus? What's up with John the Baptist? I thought that guy was over. Why, why is John the Baptist again back in our story? We want to kind of think about how all of this fits together. And one word to kind of hang your entire thoughts on this morning is authority. Who's in charge? That's what you want to think about this morning. Who's really in charge there in Jerusalem? Who's really in charge, well, of your life? That's what we want to think about this morning. Let's look first, verse 27. Mark tells us that Jesus came again to Jerusalem. Um, for those that are kind of just jumping in with us, uh, we've been considering the last couple of weeks the Passover week. The, that final week of Jesus' life on earth. Uh, remember, Mark has like kind of been on fast forward uh, through much of Jesus' life. He's just kind of like, hey, sit back. We're going to go through this really quickly um, and try to take it in as much as you can. But then when he gets to like Jesus' last days, he kind of puts it on slow-mo. And you just see Jesus is slowly doing things and, and just drags on. Just recently I was sharing with a pastor uh, or a pastor was asking me, like, you know, what, what are you preaching through? Just so you know, like, that's pastors have nothing else to talk about, I guess. You know, what are you preaching through? So uh, he asked me, what are you preaching through? And I said, you know, preaching through Mark's gospel. And he said, okay, that's, that's great. And, and he's, you know, where are you at in Mark's gospel? And I'm like, well, you know, chapter 11 in Jesus's final, you know, ministry, you know, final days and the Passion Week. And he's like, oh, that's great. That's great. And I said, yeah, you know, we're going to kind of wrap up chapter 16 on Resurrection Sunday. And he's like really? That seems like a really long time, like that you're going to take that long. And I'm like, well, brother, what else do I have to talk about than Jesus's life and ministry? I mean, you know, and so uh, I don't know what his point was, but mine is, is that Mark slowed down for a particular reason. Uh, and so we're going to slow down and just kind of take our time as we think through what this means. And so Mark tells us that Jesus has returned from, from Bethany and he's come back to Jerusalem and he's confronted by this group, this little mob uh, of religious leaders. And as we think about this group, notice what he says. He says, there's the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to Jesus. Um, you know, there's really a debate as to who these are. We don't really know. There's not specific, not a specific person. But, but really, we, what you want to understand is this is sort of the ruling class there in Jerusalem. These are the people that are in charge. These are the people that maintain the temple. These are the, these are the people that are maintaining the, the religion there in, in Jerusalem. These are the ones that uh, you may be familiar with in the book of Acts called the Sanhedrin. Uh, this is the, the religious leaders that are leading God's people here in um, in the nation of Israel during this time of Jesus' life. And so what we want to see is that these are the ones who the people look to to care for their souls. Uh, the, like you look to pastors to care for your soul, to, to shepherd you and to care for you, these are the kind of the shepherds of Israel. These are the ones that God put in charge of caring for the day-to-day -day lives of God's people. These are what Isaiah and what Ezekiel calls shepherds. They were to shepherd God's people. And, and what we see Jesus being confronted by then are the people who are supposed to be about God and God's will. 
These are the very people who should have been longing and expecting the Messiah to come and who should have been open to embrace Jesus. But, but what we find, though, are, are these the people that are opposing Jesus? It was the very people who taught the Word of God were the ones who opposed God. And really, that's not uncommon. It is often the pastors, even under Christianity, that are the ones that distort and confuse God's Word and ultimately God's people. And so what we see here is these rulers coming to Jesus, and they ask Jesus a really peculiar question. Hey, what's the deal? Who gave you the authority to do what you're doing? Now look what they ask in verse 28. They say, look, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Now what are these, these things that, that they're talking about? Well, most likely it's the temple cleansing, right? This is the sort of the day after Jesus goes crazy in the temple. Or two days after, if you will. Uh, clearly, as we talked about last week, this was a traumatic experience. This would have been something memorable in your mind. I mean, if you're, you know, down at Wally World later today and you see people knocking over stuff and, and knock, you know, it's going to you're going to be talking about it for a couple of days. Right. And so the talk of the town is still going on. Now, Luke tells us in his gospel account that Jesus is actually the same day teaching in the temple. And so Jesus is there teaching and causing a ruckus and demonstrating that he has authority to do them. And so what they're asking ultimately is, hey, who gave you the authority to do these things? Where did it come from? Who gave you the permission to go crazy and clean up the temple? Right? You'd be like, what's the deal? Who gave you the permission to do that? And really in typical fashion, Jesus responds then with a question. Uh, Jesus, uh, you, know, you ever been annoyed by people when you ask them a question, they ask you a question back? You're like... <laughs> You can feel like this conversation's not going anywhere, right? Well, Jesus did that uh, because he recognized that this was a trap. Uh, Jesus was wise. He understood that, look, these religious leaders did not care where Jesus' authority came from. They didn't care who Jesus was. Uh, remember, they had already made up their mind about Jesus. If you remember back a, a few months ago when we were earlier in Mark's gospel, uh, the religious leaders said that Jesus was of the devil, that Jesus was, was demonic, that the, the power that Jesus was using to heal people and, and uh, exercise demons was, was the power of Satan. And Jesus kind of asked them a question, can Satan be against Satan, right? And uh, can that really be possible? And, and we all conclude, no, that's not possible. And so these men had already really made up their mind. And so so Jesus then asked them this question about John's baptism. I'm just thinking, well, what does John's baptism really have anything to do with this? I want to just remind you who John was. John was that forerunner uh, to Jesus. He was the one that kind of got everything prepared. He was the one that kind of prepared the way, as Isaiah said. He's the one who cleaned up the streets that got people's hearts turned back towards God and thinking about godly things. And he preached a baptism of repentance. He called people to faith in God. He, he said, turn from your sins and trust in God again. And the religious leaders, of course, were all upset about it. You know, how dare you take over our responsibility? And so what Jesus is ultimately confronting them with in verse 30 is they want to know, was the John, baptism, he wants to know, was the baptism of John from heaven or from, was it from man? 
So in essence, he's saying, look, is this from God? Was John from God or was John from just man? Is this just sort of John's deal, like he's just kind of man-made teaching? So what we want to see by these two questions is really the same question. I want you to notice that both questions are the same. By what authority are you doing these things is really the same question Jesus is asking. By what authority did John do what he did? Who gave John the authority to do the work that he did? Was it God or was it man? And Jesus is confronting their theology about God and confronting us with it as well. So ultimately we want to see that he is, he is trying to confront them and these religious leaders. Now as we think about what does it mean by what authority? So just again, let's look at verse 28. By what authority? Some commentators are sort of commenting on this passage, really define this as authorized. You know, not the King James, right, the authorized one. No, who authorized um, you to do these things? Who gave you the permission slip to do the things that you're doing in life? And, and we want to remember that central to Mark's gospel is this, is this idea of authority, of authority. So let's just go on a little field trip, if you will. Turn back to Mark chapter 1. I'm going to show you again how central to Mark's thinking the authority of Jesus is. Like a thread that runs through a fabric, Jesus' authority runs through the fabric of Mark's gospel. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 1 and verse 22, um, Jesus healed and un- was teaching in the synagogue. Excuse me. And in verse 22, look at how the people responded. They were astonished at Jesus' teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. So Jesus' teaching was authoritative. Jesus wasn't thinking, you know, I think I'm from God. I think this is of God. No, he says, I am from God. I am God. Believe in me. When Jesus said repent and believe, he wasn't just sort of thinking and hopeful that it was true. No, he really believed and he taught with authority. Going on in in chapter 2, in verse 10, We see here in the healing of this paralytic. Scribes and Pharisees are there. They're like, hey, what's going on? How are you able to do this? What are you doing? And Jesus says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And so Jesus' authority was demonstrated through his healing ministry. Uh, Jesus' healing wasn't just like, you know, a lot of kind, like Jesus was just kind and he was just trying to help people. No, Jesus was meaning to display his authority through what he said and what he did. Going on in Mark's Gospel to chapter 3 and verse 15, we see as Jesus sends out the twelve, he tells us that he has given them authority to cast out demons. In order to give away authority, you have to have authority. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can't be giving away something that you don't have. And Jesus, here, Mark tells us that Jesus gave away his authority to cast out demons to his apostles. Moving on to verse, chapter 6 and verse 7, he began to send out the disciples two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And so, again, we just want to see Jesus giving this authority away because he has the authority to give. And then, lastly, in Mark chapter 13 and verse 34. There are many other instances that we could look at, but these are just sort of the cliff notes or the highlights, if you will, the, the high points of Jesus' authority here. 
But concerning the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man who goes on a journey when he leaves home and puts his his servants in charge. Each one will do his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. What he's saying there is that I've given this authority, I've given the authority over to other people because he has the authority to give them. And so what we need to see is that Jesus was the Christ. That's the point of Mark's gospel. He tells us from the very beginning, in verse 1 of chapter 1, this is a gospel concerning the Christ, the Son of God. So the whole book is meant to demonstrate Jesus' authority. Look, if Jesus doesn't have authority, we all just might as well go home. There's really no reason to be here. But Jesus does have authority. Jesus demonstrates that authority through healing and through exercising demons and through teaching and even the temple cleansing, all of that points to the reality that he is authorized to do these things. That he's authorized to do the things that he said he did. So what you want to see then secondly is not only that first question, but then secondly, look at what Jesus is trying to expose in the religious leaders. By asking the question about John the Baptist, what Jesus is ultimately trying to do is just expose their hypocrisy trying to expose their hypocrisy and really that they are fraudulent. They're not really the true leaders of Israel. They're not the ones that Jesus has come to kind of knock them down and set himself up as the king because they had not shepherded God's people well or the way God had called them. He's trying to, he wanted to demonstrate really that their logic was flawed. Notice what Jesus does. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men. What does Jesus want them to decide? Where John is from. We all see that. Notice that they are unable to conclude where John is from. They say, we don't know. Now, they were unwilling to do that because of fear of man. Right? They feared the people. There's a lot of reasons why they came to the conclusion they came to. But notice... That because they came to the conclusion that they did not know, well then, how could they decide who Jesus was from if they could not decide who John was from? And so what Jesus is trying to show them is that you are illogical. You're not making much sense here. Who are you to decide and judge who I am if you are unwilling to decide and judge who John is. So why is this all important? What's really the point of all of this? What, what, what is this really all about? What we want to see is that Jesus' authority is revealed to us. It was plain to the religious leaders. Just as plain as it was to Mark as he wrote this gospel. Just as plain as it is to us in Jesus' words and teaching. What we want to see is that something that God has done is blinded their eyes. Blinded their eyes. They, they can't see Jesus. Just like God blinded the eyes of Pharaoh and hardened his heart from repenting and letting the people go so that he could judge the nation, so God has blinded the eyes of these religious leaders so that they will not see who Jesus is. In a few weeks, we're going to consider the parable that follows this. And in this parable, Jesus says that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our sight. That is, that the rejection of Jesus by the people of Israel was God's purpose. It was God's plan that they would do this. That is, that Jesus isn't just a a mistake. That that Jesus' death wasn't just a tragedy. No, this was all purposed by a sovereign God. So you want to see this morning that we must be confronted with the authority of Jesus. In the end here, we're going to consider sort of what that means a little bit more practically for our lives. But let's move ahead to the debate that we saw in verse 31 through 33. As they began to discuss it among themselves, they they said that if it's really from heaven, then Jesus is going to respond, then why didn't you not believe in John? But if we say from man, they were unwilling to do that. Let's just look at these two things briefly. First, they're discussing with one another where this authority is coming from. They're discussing, you know, where did John's authority come from? Was it from heaven? Was it from God? Or was it from man? And as you notice, notice two things. First, if they were to say from heaven, then Jesus is obviously going to say, then why didn't you believe in him? If you don't believe in what Jesus is saying here in this passage, it's what he's confronting us with in this passage, this debate. They couldn't decide because they were confronted with their own sin. They were confronted with the, with the message that John was bringing, and that was the message of repentance. So what we want to see here is the greatest concern isn't really deciding with, with who John is, but rather, do we believe in Jesus' authority? We also see in this passage that they are afraid of people. There is this fear of man in them, isn't there? You notice the fear of man in them? If we, if we say that John was from from, from man, then the people are going to like kill us. They're going to rebel against us. So notice how they, they care more about what other people think than, than really just the evidence before their eyes. It's just a warning to us how we can be tempted to believe the things about God or about others based on what other people are kind of pressuring us to think. Look, we live in a world that does not believe in God. We've got to recognize that. This is not a safe place for Christians. And if we begin to think that it is, what will happen is, is we will begin to undermine what we believe about God in order to appease the world around us. But when we recognize that we are not of the world, well, then our minds are not influenced by those around us so much as God's word is. And in our day and age, it is a, just a warning to us to stand on the truth of God's word in love. I don't mean we're out there like intentionally offending people, but just loving people and understanding that sometimes, in many ways, God's word will run up against the world around us. And we cannot fear people, but trust God's plan and purposes. So what can we learn from these debates? What can we learn from these men? We can just see the fallenness of the human heart, can't we? We can see the brokenness of sin, how, how sin blinds us from seeing the reality before us. Yes, God blinded their eyes, but, but it was their sin that had just blinded them from seeing the truth of God's Word. 
the reality of who Jesus was and what he came to do. They couldn't see it, yet it was right before their eyes. How many times have you heard or maybe even thought yourself, if I could just see Jesus, then I would believe. If I could have just been there and seen Jesus heal that little boy or, 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 or heal that blind man, then I would believe. Friend, just a reminder that the people who witnessed these things with their own eyes could not see. Because of their sin, the Bible tells us, we are blinded. And so ultimately we want to see that submission to Christ is the proper response. You know, we talk a lot about Jesus being Lord and Jesus being sovereign. We thought about that more last week and, and just pressing in on that a little bit more as we think about one of the clearest signs of submission is obedience. You, if you do not obey Jesus, then you're not submitting your life to Jesus. Submitting your life doesn't mean just singing a song, I surrender all. It means really surrendering all to him. That's what it really means. And this is the clearest response we can give to the authority of Jesus, is, is obeying him, submitting through obedience. We demonstrate in our lives the rightful submission to Jesus' authority as, his, as the sovereign Lord by our daily obedience to him and his word. This is why we want to obey God's word. We don't obey God's word because we're afraid God's going to punish us. Or, or some sort of like fear tactic. You know, if you don't do that, then something bad is going to happen to you. We don't obey because of that. No, we obey out of a loving and willing submission to Jesus. We know that Jesus can run our lives better than we can. And so we submit our lives to him. So I just wonder, how will you obey Jesus this week? Perhaps it's in your time. Spending less time on yourself and more time on him. Or particularly on his people. How do you spend your time? Do you, do you, does your time submit itself to the lordship of Christ? Perhaps it's with your money. Perhaps that's where you need to submit your life to Jesus and how you spend your money. Now, so often we think about money and, and giving. I mean like how you spend it. What do you spend it on? That's just as much stewardship as giving to the Lord. Perhaps where you need to submit time to Jesus or, or to submit to Jesus this week is with your worries and anxieties. I mean... Do you really believe he's in control? So this morning you may be concerned about what happened this week in our country. I am. Maybe you're concerned about your own personal future. Your own personal security. Whether it be financial. Maybe you're, you're worried about this morning your family. Do you give your cares and anxieties to Christ? The one who has your life in his hands? Do you trust in him? There are many things to be concerned about. Many rightful things to, to think about. But ultimately, we must submit all of that to Jesus. So we see these religious leaders debate really on how to respond. It's really just a further exposure of their inability to lead God's people. 
And let's just look lastly at the answer. In quite humorous way, Jesus says, neither will I tell you. I'm not going to tell you. And that's what I began with when I want you to think about what Jesus is doing here. He's closing the door, isn't he? That's scary. I think you want to see that. I want you to see really clearly what Jesus is doing here. Is he saying, look, if you are unwilling to think hard about these things, then the door is being closed on you. And it's scary to think like that. It's it's scary to, to even think that Jesus is like that. But Jesus is like that. This is Jesus talking here, not me. Jesus says, if you do not want to consider these things and humble yourself before my authority, then there comes a point where I will say no more. Luke tells us, or Luke records these words of Jesus. But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. You see, those, those religious leaders feared people more than they feared God. They were more worried about their popularity, more worried about their little puppet government that they had set up for themselves than they were worried about who Jesus really was. Now, not all of the religious leaders, we know that there was many, like Nicodemus, who, who believed, who was a Pharisee, who was one of the leaders in Israel who did believe upon Jesus. What we want to see here is just the way God hardened Pharaoh's heart and said no more. So also Jesus is saying to these religious leaders here, the the deal is this, it's over. I have displayed to you sufficient evidence to believe in me. And one of the things you want to be confronted with this morning is that if you do not believe in Jesus, if your life is not lived in submission to him, there is sufficient evidence this morning. And friend, if you're not a Christian this morning, I, I want to give you a warning that your presence here is sufficient. The fact that you heard the gospel this morning is sufficient. Paul tells us that just living in creation is sufficient. That God has revealed himself through the created world, which is sufficient knowledge to condemn us eternally. So if you're not a Christian this morning, I just want you to know that there's really no neutral position on Jesus. There's really no neutral position on Jesus. There's no like, yeah, Jesus is cool, um, but not for me. I don't know who you are. I don't really care. There's no neutral with Jesus. Whether you're not a Christian or a Christian, there's no neutrality at the cross. And we want to see there is no neutral sides in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, you are either for me or against me. They're either on my side or not on my side. There's not like this like middle way with Jesus. Jesus is so clear that I am the way, the truth, and the life. All who come to me, I will never cast away. That's the promise this morning. Oh, you may come with sin this morning. I come with sin this morning. So we heard in the prayer of confession, there is an assurance of pardon 
This morning, that's our great hope. The reason we gather and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is holy, 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 when we are not, is because our sins have been dealt with in the death of Jesus. Christ died for our sins as as our substitute in our place. And so there's never going to be a day when you will stand before God and say, hey, I don't know who you are. God will say, I have given you and I have revealed to you sufficient evidence of who I am. Christian, I wonder, do you submit your life to this authority? Do you live your life under the daily submission to Christ as we've been exhorted to in this passage? Just to live in in an obedient way? Jesus is doing this for your sake. Jesus suffered for your sake the reproach of men so that you might believe in him as your king. Let's pray. Eternal God, we give praise and glory to you today. God, we trust your word and pray that the word is heard well today. We rest in your spirit's work in this word and trust that it will not return void. We do not speak in words of eloquence or wonder, but we preach Christ and him crucified. And pray that Christ is made much of in our hearts and lives this week. And pray, Father, you would empower us by your spirit to live in obedience. Help us to do this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.